But what you're hearing now is, is creating a sense of belonging, which now flips the conversation instead of about the company saying, come on in folks, and we're going to pull you in and actively do this. It's asking the employee, do you feel like you belong? Do you feel like you're safe here? Do you feel like you can be your authentic self at work all the time? And that's what we should strive to be doing as a workplace, as a leader, is to create that sense of belonging. What's up, everyone? It's Chris Ronzio, and you are here for another installment of Organized Chaos. Thank you for joining me for the live edition. And today we've got a really important topic. So before I introduce our guest, I want to go back because yesterday I spent most of my day pouring through thousands of comments in this engagement survey that we send out to all of our people a couple times a year. One of the things that we're really focused on doing is how do we build the best environment, the best culture, the best workplace, one that people feel like they belong and that has this sense of inclusivity. And so that's what we're going to focus on today with this guest that maybe you've seen before, maybe you've heard before. He does a lot of content and teaching on his own. He's been on the Organized Chaos podcast in the past, and his name is Dr. Steve Iacovelli. So Steve calls himself the gay leadership dude, and we're going to talk about all of his lessons and his expertise. He's a speaker, an author, and the owner and principal of Top Dog Learning Group. They have nearly 30 years of consultant experience in leadership, change management, diversity, inclusion, and his book, Pride Leadership, is one of the first to focus on developing leadership talent specifically for the LGBTQ plus community and its allies. Hello, Chris. Good to see you again. Great to see you. Thanks for being here. Yeah. It's been about a year, I think, since you were on the podcast ish, last. So. Ish, yeah. <laughs> Long by. Great, great to uh, reunite. Where, where are you logging in from? I am in sunny Orlando, Florida, at least sunny for now until we get our three o'clock rain shower. And then there's that. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm up in northern Arizona right now, and it's been doing kind of like the Florida rain thing because I used to go to Florida a lot when I was a kid and those thunderstorms would just pass right by. We don't have any rain in Scottsdale where I live most of the year, but up here in the mountains, it's like every afternoon we get like this nice little sprinkling. So I'm kind of enjoying it. Awesome. Yeah, I actually I actually like our little rain showers. It just it's like our seasons, but not. So there's that. Yeah, yeah. So all right, let's let's get into this. As we were kind of brainstorming and setting up this topic, um, you actually brought up this term that I had never heard of before, and it's called corporate rainbow washing. And so since we're having this conversation toward the end of Pride Month, and I think a lot of other people probably haven't heard this term. Can you start us off by just kind of explaining what this all, what this is all about, why it's important? Yeah. So and so actually, I have a, a nice visual I found, and I, I can't give cre give myself credit for this one, um, but it's I found this on social media. I just thought it was so brilliant last year that I had to save it and bring it out for for this time of the year. So uh, basically, corporate uh, uh, rainbow washing is when all sorts of awesomely intended corporations put their rainbow through like the the rainbow lens. So it's like the little Lego dudes here, like yay, we're rainbows, we're inclusive, we support all sorts of cool people. But then July first, it goes back to normal, uh, quote unquote, and that's kind of what you're seeing on the other side with the little uh, Lego stormtroopers painting that rainbow back to a, an ugly, boring gray. And if we think about what some organizations do uh, during the month of June, you know, they're all out. They're saying, you know, we're awesome allies. We want to be here for you. But then when July comes, you know, the logos go back to normal. And But then what else happens? And, and so there's this, this term called uh, performative allyship, which is basically I'm doing like, like, 
rainbow washing my logo and doing these things where I'm an awesome ally, but it's really not for the community you're targeting. It's really for um, yourself and to look like awesome and inclusive and get your street cred going. So hopefully come Friday um, or the end of Pride Month that folks, yeah, the, their logo goes back to the uh, traditional colors, but at least their inclusivity doesn't stop. So I want to be clear, you're not suggesting that everyone keep the rainbow logos for the whole year, right? No, how do you feel about the the changing the logos in the first place? Because I, I noticed this, you know, starting to pop up a few years ago on people's social media accounts on their websites. It's something we've done at Trainual, but I don't want it to be inauthentic and performative, yeah. like you said. So so what's your thought on the changing the logos to begin with? I, I think it's fine if there's substance behind the logo change. You know, it's if if you as an organization are, are big enough to support, um, you know, donate to different politicians, and you're doing it that go for politicians or, or groups that go against uh, LGBTQ plus inclusivity, then why are you rainbow washing your logo? You're kind of like talking out one side and doing another thing over here, and that's just not really authentic. Hmm. So as long as it's true to who if 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 uh, as long as you're not supporting groups or people that are anti LGBTQ, then supporting it with the logo change is kind of an, a nice yeah. way to recognize your support. Absolutely agree. Yes. Okay. So then at the end of the month, what you're saying is when all of the logos go back to their regular form, uh, how does this um, stay an important top of mind initiative through the rest of the year, right? Yeah, it, it, whether you're like a, a big giant corporation or you're like an entrepreneur, you know, a solopreneur kind of thing, you can always think about your corporate culture, your workplace culture, and what that looks like. And if if you're um, wanting to strive to be an, as inclusive as you want uh, or as you can be, then come July first or any other, you know, the rest of the eleven months, um, what are you doing to promote inclusivity, not just for queer folks, but for folks in general, uh, all of us others, as we like to say. And so, you, know, what are you doing? doing um, during a Black Black History Month? Uh, what are you doing for uh, celebrating women's initiatives throughout the year? You know, instead of just doing the, oh yeah, we celebrate Blank Month, we're awesome, what else? You know, are you promoting inclusivity other ways? Are you are you looking for ways to make sure you're diversity hiring or, or when you're sourcing different things within your workplace, are you looking toward minority-owned businesses as a way to kind of help amplify some of those voices and give them some differing opportunities? And so uh, there's lots of actions any workplace can take so that that kind of, at least from the, the queer perspective, carry on the rainbow torch uh, throughout the year. But really for any minority group, um, if you're trying to be inclusive, there's lots of good strategies you can do the entire year. So I want to ask a, a tough question, one that we've had active conversations this week about. Um, I mentioned as we were in the intro that we did the survey. One of the things that came up is that, you know, we celebrate some of these months, but maybe we don't celebrate other months that are important to individual people. Mm -hmm. And so where where does the responsibility lie between the company or the person to say, here's something I want to recognize, want to celebrate, because we want to make sure that we're recognizing and celebrating everything that's important to to our teammates and to our customers. But um, we also don't uh, don't have like a, a calendar for the whole year or the, the bandwidth and budget to support everything. Yeah. And, and it can be big and small ways to support, you know, um, I'll, I'll use just, you know, gay stuff, for example, in the general term, you know, if I want to be a workplace that's inclusive, it doesn't just have to be, yay, here's my rainbow for the month of June. It's, am I putting my pronouns in all of my emails I send out? Why? Mm -hmm. 
pronouns are super important to my community, especially for my trans brothers and sisters and siblings, because that shows that you're sensitive and mindful to the concept of, of the importance of pronouns. Pronouns for, for a lot of people are just as important as getting your name right. And when you get someone's name wrong, I mean, my, Steve is pretty, pretty easy. Yacavelli, oh my gosh, it's been butchered ad nauseum throughout my entire, uh, you know, 20 years that I've been around. I'm kidding. It's a little bit longer than 20 years, but you know, like, but, and I correct somebody once with my last name and they're like, okay, got it. Now, if they continue to butcher it, eh, that feels icky. Now multiply that to like your first name or someone not getting your pronouns right after you tell them, no, actually I, I go, I prefer to go by the, uh, they, them, uh, you know, and I, I think there's little things that we can do that still celebrate inclusivity that we don't have to do like a big, you know, pride parade or, or throw the cake out and do all sorts sorts of balloons and banners and stuff. We can do small little bits every day to show how inclusive we're trying to be as a workplace. Now, we have across a lot of our tools, the ability to put the pronouns in, you know, in your in your Zoom account, in your Slack account, in your email signature, in your LinkedIn. And how far should companies go to enforce that everyone put those in? Or is it a suggestion? Is it education? Like, what should we be doing to, to help um, you know, make that more adopted. If you have a workplace that has corporate values or workplace values, and one of your values states something to the effect of, you know, we value all differences, and then you're not putting out policies that promote those inclusiveness pieces, mm, you're kind of not, you're only doing it kind of half way you'd be polite and say halfway versus half something else. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I, and I think that's, that's the thing. I know some bigger workplaces have some issues like, oh, we don't want to force anybody to do that. Fine. But if you have that corporate value that says we promote inclusivity, why wouldn't you go the extra step and say, oh, and to that mark, to that extent, to support that value, here's three things you can immediately do. Change your Slack, change your Zoom, put it in your email. I mean, how hard is that to do? And what I also do in, in my own uh, personal or my business email is I, I found this really great website and you can Google and find lots of great websites that say, you know, why are pronouns important? And I link to that in my signature because people hmm. are like, why does he have those pronouns? It says, want to learn more, click here easy. That's like, that's so low hanging fruit to help educate and show people why we're doing it. And also to give people some information on why they should do it. Now, inclusivity, I think starts long before someone works for you. It starts, you know, in the application process or whenever you're on their radar. So what are some of the things that uh, companies can do to show that they're inclusive from the get-go? You know, I, I have a, an, another graphic here that I do. Um, when we talk about the concept of uh, being inclusive, not this one, I, I always frame it through the concept of uh, any workplace or any organization can think in, speak up, and act out. And, and this is actually one of my keynotes that I do. It's actually in my book, Pride Leadership, we talk about this. But if you're trying to create a culture of consciously inclusiveness, you know, being mindful of including as many people as you can, you start with a think in, and that's about the individual. So what training sessions are you doing, both formally and informally? You know, that, that little link I just shared about, um, you know, the pronouns, that's an informal learning opportunity. And so that's kind of part of the think in. What are we doing to educate myself and those around us to really thinking about my own behavior. Then the speak up is where we start to think about how do we look at our inclusive language within the workplace? And it can be bigger, small things like, you know, do we have um, a chairperson or do we have a chairman? 
And, and so, you know, how inclusive is that? I know I grew up in the Philadelphia area. It was a long time. So I could break myself and say, Hey, you guys, you want to do this? Because if you really boil it down, even though that's supposed to be gender inclusive, it's really not. <laughs> so uh, luckily I now live in the South and y'all just kind of rolls off the tongue and, and there's that. Uh, but really thinking about the inclusive language and also are, are we um, falling victim to the words and actions that we pick through maybe our own unconscious bias. And then the act out is the bigger picture. And it's kind of what you were just asked, Chris, you know, what can we do? And that's where we can start to put that lens uh, through every single part of our workplace. So our recruiting friends, you're looking for an open rec. Where are you advertising that? Is a website where certain demographics go and maybe you're disenfranchising from the get-go, letting people see that opportunity? Is it from looking at resumes? And, and yes, there's automated software out there, but automated software and AI is only as good as the humans that program it. So, so who is doing that, that programming to maybe scrub some of the, the re resumes that we get to make sure that they have um, the, the qualifications that we're looking for? What are we putting in our, our central office that shows you, yay, here's pictures of our employees and what are the employees looking like? What is our orientation video showing when it says, here's a senior leader. Is it a middle-aged white dude or are we showing a cornucopia of differences? And so any organization, big or small, can think in, speak up and act out when it comes to really thinking about inclusivity within their workplace. Think in, speak up, act out. I like that. And when you mentioned the difference between chairperson and chairman, it made me think, are there other simple examples like that, that the audience could benefit from just knowing some things that we might take for granted in our businesses? There's a lot, actually, I'm, I'm in the midst of me and my team are writing a class on inclusive language right now. So I'm kind of elbows deep in this, you know, and it, it's it's big and small things like, do you use the term blacklisted to, to say how bad things are getting into your email? You know what, that's, you know, black means bad. Oh, it's whitelisted, white means good. Are you using that kind of language? Um, you know, if you're in the real estate game, a lot of realtors have moved away from saying you know, master suite to main suite. Why? Because it's called a master suite for a reason. And that's not some cool things we want to keep reoccurring and reinforcing within our language. Um, yeah. Looking at, at any of the ways that we're looking at at gender, you know, and you see things like in, in the acting profession where people have moved away from actor, actress to some extent, to just calling everybody an actor. You make, mm -hmm. make that term gender neutral. And so analyze the words that you're using both in print as well as uh, verbally and ask yourself, is this as inclusive as it could be? I'm not trying to be the HR police or the politically incorrect or correct folks and slap people's hands, no. I'm just trying to say, Think about how those words are being heard by other people, because I have a lot of folks in my class that are like, well, that doesn't offend me. I'm like, good for you. What about that person over there? And just think about it. And, and you know, we talk about effective leadership. Empathy is so under underutilized as an effective leadership tool. And, and this is a great opportunity to exercise uh, that empathy by hearing things through uh, maybe the ears of others. I think language is so important. I'm glad you gave a couple examples there. We actually, in the early days, had this program at Trainual where uh, it was it was like our, our community of, of people. And, we, and because people are often making training manuals or operations manuals, we'd called it Manual Masters. And yeah. we changed that to now it's called Process People. So simple example of just like those little language tweaks yeah. that can be a lot more acceptable. You know, the other thing I thought of when you were talking is we have a few uh, team members out in Ukraine and I've been learning like a little mm. Ukrainian language. Um, it's interesting that the, the, the nouns like actor never had a masculine and feminine version yeah. until more recently they've added 
those versions. So, so yeah. have, have, do you think it's different internationally where, you know, maybe in, in the English language where we're going toward like a gender neutral version of words and internationally you're seeing that, that, that a different uh, trend? Yeah, and I wouldn't say that I'm a, I'm an expert linguist. <laughs> I, I barely know English, quite frankly. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I used actually I used to be fluent in French, and you know the whole masculine and feminine thing. And, and I, you know, I I think things are becoming a little bit more ubiquitous as far as uh, neutrality and gender uh, neutral words and phrases. Yeah, but some of it's just really hardwired into the specific language, and, and so I think it's going to take a bit of time to to either unpack that or look at those different uh, masculine, feminine types of things in certain languages to to see them less as one or the other. They're just more, you know, part of the linguistic journey that's there. Right, right. Okay, so let's talk about another way that people can uh, promote inclusivity. So one thing we've set up is employee resource resource groups or affinity groups. Um, curious your take on those, how to do those right, how to do them wrong if people are trying to go down that path. It's it's a great question, Chris. And and um, I do a lot of work with uh, employee, I say employee resource groups, although you're right, there's like affinity groups and business resource groups. There's all sorts of gorgeous acronyms out there. Um, I'll simply call them ERGs, employee resource groups. And for those who don't know what they are, um, it's within a workplace, uh, somebody could be the HR function, it could just be team members, um, but they say, you know what, let's create a space for this demographic of employees that they can work together, network, support one another, maybe educate uh, internally as well as externally. So a lot of times you have the women's group, you have the LGBTQ plus group. And I say plus because of that French thing, by the way, it means plus. Um, but I, I tried to make a thing happen, it didn't happen, but it's still happening for me. <laughs> um, you have veterans groups. I've seen uh, parent, parental groups. Um, you have, of course, the, the people of color, uh, Asian Pacific, depending on kind of differences. And employee resource groups do that, or at least try to do that. They create that group, the mentality, that, that, that gorgeous pack behavior, as we would, of course, say at Top Dog Learning Group. Um, but smart workplaces use their employee resource groups. And I don't mean that in a nefarious sort of way. I'm saying you have a, a, a collection of experts that you're allowing to me that know your business, leverage the heck out of them. Now, also, I would go out on a limb and say compensate them too. Don't use them as like a you know free consulting team, um, but give them the opportunity to share their perspective before you do things like, hey, we're going to back this particular um, political person or political group. Maybe ask your ERGs, is this okay? Does this look okay? Is this make sense? Are we doing the right thing here? I know here in Florida, I won't name names, but there's been some that have been dinged for not doing this and as they should have been. Um, you have these fantastic experts who are representatives of some of the communities you're trying to reach, some of the customers that you're trying to reach. Why would you not utilize them as a resource and really help guide policy versus just say, yay, you're gonna put on, in this case for the queer folks, you'll do the pride events, yay. That's nice, but what else? Let's make it part of the business versus just a tick box uh, kind of mentality. Yeah, I love that. So, so beyond just the events, uh, you're engaging people to share insights, to help with the decision making, to make sure that things align with their beliefs and the beliefs of your customers that might be in the same kind of group, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and when those ERG groups, regardless of which ones they are, provide feedback, listen to them, um, you know, and, and also encourage them to provide that feedback, because that's that's the value. That's the diversity of thought and perspective that we can gain as a business. Why would you ignore that free advice right. if you're getting it? 
Right. You know, when you talk about belonging, I, I instantly think about, you know, are people willing to share everything or do they feel like they're having to censor themselves? Um, you know, when when they're sharing stories about what they did over the weekend, are they comfortable saying, you know, my boyfriend or my girlfriend or my are, are they comfortable sharing the, the holiday that they celebrate that maybe no one else on the team does? And I think that when you start to see that language just come out freely and pictures and you know we have this this slack channel where we all post our experiences and it is just like you said that you use the word cornucopia it's brilliant all yeah. the different just things and i love scrolling through that channel but i feel like that's when you know that people have a, a sense of belonging when they're just sharing openly Absolutely. You know, it, it's the latest research that I've seen uh, from the human rights campaign says that just about 50% of LGBTQ plus folks are out at work. Now, this is a little pre-COVID, so I'm not sure how the pandemic um, implemented that. But 50%, when I was researching Pride Leadership, I wanted that stat in there, and that's what I found. I'm like, that's crazy. Like, hmm. half of the queer people in this country, in the United States, aren't out at work. Why? Like talk wow. about creating a sense of belonging. If if I'm hiding my pronouns to your point and not using that Slack channel um, that you guys have trained you all to say, like, look what I did this weekend or like yesterday or this week was my 24th anniversary with my husband. Uh, we haven't been married 24 years, but you know, when we got together, yeah. marriage equality didn't exist. So we're like, this is our day, our first date anniversary. Here you go. And so that's what we celebrate. But yeah. you know, for some, for half of, of the people in my community, they won't post that on social media. They won't share that with a coworker. And what we have the opportunity is to say, all y'all, as I like to say, you know, bring your full selves to work. You know, show us who you love, show us what you celebrate, show us what you value. And when you do that as a workplace, guess what happens? People want to stay. People give 110%. People want to promote your business to their friends. It's like, oh my gosh, I work for Train You All. I work for Top Dog and I can be my authentic self. And it's awesome. Wow, that sounds like a cool place to work. And and today, with so much work remote and, and people picking up their toys and going elsewhere when they don't feel that sense of belonging, Belonging, yeah, there's a great opportunity for us to really engage in creating that that environment where people want to be there. Yeah, and I would imagine in some ways this sense of belonging and inclusion is more important than a lot of the other metrics or the the salaries and that you know you could feel totally suppressed and and make good money, but you'd rather work in a place where you can be yourself. Yes. And and if you're doing any sort of employee engagement survey, whether it's big or small, please at least have one question on there that says, I feel a sense of belonging at this place, or mm -hmm. I feel safe to be my authentic self at work. Yeah. And, or, or phrases like that. It can just be one question. And, and it can really be a great barometer on how well people feel that they are welcomed, safe, and belong at that workplace. Yeah, we have a question like that. We have a couple others. I think we have three questions on this, but one of the others is just what can we be doing better? Simple question, but we get so many great ideas and insights and then we can act on those. And in between the surveys, we can say, okay, we, we took this idea, we did this thing and, and thank you for that. That's great. So um, you mentioned at the beginning a little bit about marketing and, and you know appealing to people in the hiring process. And so beyond the, the Pride logo, what other things should we be doing on our sites to really showcase that this is authentically how we feel as a business? Yeah, under the act out and the, the think in, speak up, act out kind of mentality, it, and when I teach this in, in some of our stuff, um, you know, it's really going through the lens of everyone within your operation. So someone in marketing, you already talked about, like what are the materials we're using? Someone in HR, what are our policies? Down to our healthcare, are our, our, our healthcare policies trans-inclusive? You know, are, is our family medical 
believe looking at, at folks who maybe adopt uh, or same-sex couples or, or insert the different types of families here. Um, you know, what are we doing from a hiring perspective? And, and, you know, we said the placement of those items. What about that onboarding? You know, like I said, you have that image of a senior leader. Is it always a middle-aged white dude? And, and so a lot of these, I, I call them artifacts when we're talking about that. Think about the virtual and, and physical artifacts within your workplace. Are they promoting inclusivity or deterring inclusivity? I was at a client site, I won't of course mention who, um, but it was a global uh, manufacturing group. And uh, pre-COVID, uh, we do workshops on like, inclusive leadership. And so I was on site, um, me and one of my top doggers, one of my consultants, we were doing a, an on-site uh, inclusive leadership workshop one day. We had about 20 some leaders sitting in the room. But before the session started, I'm like, I'm just gonna walk around their office and take a look at things. And I went to the lobby and I looked around, there's these four big, beautiful black and white photos of actual employees doing like manufacturing things. And the perception I received from all those four, those four images was perceived white, um, definitely perceived dude, and probably about, you know, middle-ish age or a little bit younger. And so I kind of took mental note, walked back into the training room, the class started and introduced myself. I'm like, class, we're going to go on a field trip. And my one, my one top dogger is looking at me like, what are you, where are you going with this, D? And so we walked just around the lobby, just, you know, a five minute lap. And then we went back into the room and I asked the, the class, like, I'm totally like off script here. My, my top dogger is like, what are you doing? I'm supposed to be learning this class. What are you doing? And, and I said, what did you see? And they all kind of started snickering and they're like, we have work to do. I'm like, yes, but at least you saw it. And that's awesome. And let's go talk about our, our conversation for the next eight hours on being mm -hmm. inclusive. And I think that's the type of lens that any one of us as leaders can have is look critically at what we're doing, our processes with the images, the artifacts, and are they being as inclusive as we want them to be? Yeah. And when we open this session, we use the phrase consciously inclusive. And I think that's what it's about, right? It's bringing, you know, some of the awareness to what was maybe unconscious yes. if, if they didn't realize it, but you walking them through the hallways or pointing out pictures that someone has on their website brings the conscious side to, okay, now we need to act on it. Yep. Yeah. I, I started using that phrase um, when I first got into this topic, actually, when I worked for the Walt Disney company. And mm -hmm. I remember being in a session and this, this, you know, we're talking about unconscious bias and you know, we're going through that conversation and there's a, a person in the back of the room who just wasn't on board. Like was, if you know the term voluntold to be there, they were so voluntold to be there. And so during one of the breaks, I went up to this, this person and I said, hey, is there something on your mind? And they're like, you know what? If it's unconscious, I can't do anything about it. And I'm like, ah, good learning for Steve. And so mm -hmm. ever since then, I used the, the more active phrase consciously inclusive because we can do something about it. And, yeah. and it's really being active. And like you said, Chris, getting in front of it, having our eyes open and really being in tune with those differences and different ways of looking that really can help us be more inclusive. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great tip. You know, for us with our website, initially when we were a small team, uh, it was just all pictures of us. And so as the team slowly got more and more diverse, the pictures got more and more diverse. Uh, then we brought in an, uh, an artist that's an illustrator and we made a conscious effort to make sure we're representing all the different types of people. And, and, uh, and, and I think our website is, uh, is great now. So if anybody's looking for an for a example, go check out our, how'd you do that? I have really cool, my doctorate's in instructional technology and distance education. So I've been zooming well before it was cool in a pandemic. So. Wow. All right. Well, anyone that's just listening, Dr. Steve has some really cool on-screen tricks as well. So you have to check one of his, uh, one of his videos out. All right. So um, we've, we've talked a lot about this. You brought up uh, 
kind of auditing your your policies and some policies might not be you know um uh, conducive to to trans people or to you know other other groups so how can we audit all of it like how do you go through all of it? do you need a third party you can. I mean, if you if you have the resources to to outsource that to uh, an organization that can help you uh, critically and, and um, objectively look at those policies, absolutely, that's a great route to go. If that's not in your your um, resource wheel, if you will, you know, yeah. this is where you can leverage uh, employee resource groups to have help them look at things through their respective lenses. Um, it could be ha- just pulling together a diverse group of employees and saying, "Hey, we have a special project for you to look at these." So there's lots of different ways we can do it. The important part is having that diversity of thought and being really mindful of who is on that team and, and what potential lens they're coming through. I'll tell you a very quick story. Um, several years ago, I was working with another manufacturing group and we were talking a lot about you know diversity of teams and that, that diversity of thought and all that stuff. And they, they created like household products. And so you know, we went through all this great work and they're like, Steve, you know, I got like a message maybe a month after we closed the project and they're like, Steve, just so you know, here's the demographic makeup and the, and the look and feel of our new product team that we're doing XYZ widget. I'm like, nice job, way to apply our learning. So flash forward, they're, they're creating their widget or whatever it is and they get to market and they realize, oh man, only like it's only right-handed people can use it. And so by not, and, and so that's what diversity can be beyond just you know, race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, physical ability, um, age, and all that. So, I mean, diversity is a big thing. Um, if you Google uh, you know, the five layers of diversity, there's a beautiful model by two women, Garden Schwartz and Rowe, Lee and Anita. They're just fantastic. I have the pleasure of having met them. And they kind of made some sense on defining what really is diversity. And um, you know, in the case, you know, handedness is a way people look at the world. And so sadly, this project team forgot that and it's not that saying you have to have every demographic of every kind on every team you have no but do the best that you can do to be diverse and unfortunately for a group that was creating something that's very tangible to not have the hand in his rats missed opportunity yeah no it's i i, I almost equate you know the the getting better with diversity with the maturity of your experiences in the business and as you run into these situations now you're conscious of them yeah you know I, like we had a a situation um uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was golfing with one of our, our leaders and he had a red golf ball and the red golf ball against the green is, you know, you can't see that if you're colorblind and we're going through this palette system uh, to recreate the colors inside our application. So that's top of mind. And it started this conversation around like, these are things you wouldn't have thought of before, yeah. but we're bringing awareness to them. And yes. I think that's what's important. And that's that's brilliant, and I love that. And I think you know, I, you know, I learned as a trainer always to be mindful. Like if I'm in front of the room doing like my flip charts, never do the green and red because of exactly what you said. But that's my experience. Not everybody has that, or unless you're in that particular demographic, it may not not be aware. And so I do think that um, you, you we're never going to get it all right as a business. Yeah. N- never. I mean, that's that's it's. I mean, I still screw up. I had the, I was doing a, a, another interview, and I I used to always say, oh, our brothers and sisters. And the person interviewing me said, and siblings. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're right. Because non-binary, why would I not think of that? And this is just like a year ago. And I've been living in the space. We all make mistakes. But the cool thing is if you're creating a culture of, of both accountability as well as open to feedback, you'll you'll always course correct quite quickly because hopefully you've created that culture where people want to share. Hey, you know, Steve, you probably want to say it this way or consider this perspective. Thank you for sharing that gift of feedback 
course correct and just move on. Is there something that you suggest being able to tell our teams, tell our people uh, that says, you know, this is a priority. We're open to feedback. We want to hear you. Uh, we're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes, but we have great intentions. Like how, how do you, how do you, how do you, um, you cast that net? Just how you said it, Chris. I mean, you make, you make it known from senior leadership that this is our priority. This is important. Now, if it's part of your core values, it's already there. You just point mm -hmm. people toward that and say, you know what? Our one of our values is is being inclusive in a spirit of trying to be even more inclusive than we already are. You give the gift of feedback to us, and that's awesome. I mean, I I truly believe that. It, Anything that a business does, if, if nothing else, create that, that sense of trust, because that's mm -hmm. truly the secret to good leadership is building trust. And one of the best ways you can do that is having a feedback-rich culture where people feel that they can share those types of things without being you know, swatted on the hand or, or dinged in their permanent file or whatever that is. Perfect. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about your book. I teased yeah. it in the intro, but can you share just what people would get out of the book, where they can find it? Yeah, so so my book, um, Pride Leadership Strategies for the LGBTQ Plus Leaders to be the King or Queen of Their Jungle. Um, it started in 2019. Well, it came out in 2019. No gay pun intended there. Uh, but uh, um, it really started as me thinking through. You know, I wanted to create a leadership book in in theory, in like in general. Um, I've been doing this for almost 30 years. I've, I've seen like thousands and thousands of leaders over that time, and you start seeing patterns of behavior. And so when I was uh, kind of starting to think through uh, what are the six competencies that I feel that any leader you know, is either using and rocking and rolling or not using and crashing and burning, and it really was these six. Uh, authenticity, courage, empathy, communication, relationships, and culture. And then, uh, you know, and you, if you remember back, uh, Chris, it was the uh, uh, TV show Sex in the City, the first one. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so... So I'm just getting all my thoughts together, kind of land on those six competencies. And then the little Carrie Bradshaw, I couldn't help but wonder. And if you're not familiar with that show, um, you know, she was a reporter and that was kind of like the shtick every week. You know, she'd like open up a little tiny old MacBook and say, I couldn't help but wonder. And then there was like the theme of the week. Well, I'm yeah. sitting there putting these things together and I'm like, you know, I, I can't help but wonder, is there something about the LGBTQ plus experience that allows you to exercise those uh, six competencies just differently? So for example, authenticity. You know, Chris, if you go to, if you Google authentic leadership, you'll just get a ton of awesome gurus, Brene Browns and awesome folks like that who are saying, yes, if you're authentic, you're a better leader. People trust you. They know when you're not authentic. So be authentic, authentic, authentic. Awesome. Now through the rainbow lens, you know, if I'm an out man at work, if I'm a trans person being my authentic self, that's power. And so in pride leadership, I talk about how do you channel that to be an even more effective leader? Now, side note, my awesome allies love it too. It's a mix of bad dad jokes with solid leadership theory. <laughs> uh, so, you know, if, if you can handle some of the subtitles like storytelling, like Tori Spelling um, and some cheeky, dumb, dad humor, by all means, it's really for anyone. And, and I've actually had that feedback from my publisher or my, my editor. She's like, Steve, I have to tell you, I am a white cisgendered straight woman. I'm like, oh no. She's like, this is the book I wanted in my MBA class. I'm like, what? She's like, it's so fun, but it's so approachable and it's applicable. And, and she's like, you need to de-gay the book. I'm like, no, <laughs> but thanks for playing. If you enjoyed it, someone else will too. And so that's pride leadership in a nutshell. <laughs> I love that. And I, I, I mean, I, your personality, everyone could see that's listening or that's watching this. If we could package that up in a book with a bunch of leadership lessons and dad jokes, like <laughs> sign me up. So we'll, we'll be buying a bunch of copies of that too. Nice. Um, if, if, for anyone that wants to follow along or connect with you directly, where can they find you? 
The easiest place to follow along is uh, topdoglearning.biz. Uh, there you'll see uh, more information about me, about um, our courses, uh, our books, my team members, and ways you can get a hold of us and see how we can make your world even more awesomely inclusive. Amazing. All right, Dr. Steve, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate Thanks you. Thanks so much, Chris. Appreciate you. All right, everyone, that was Dr. Steve Iacovelli. He said at the beginning, sometimes people mess up his name. People mess up my name too. They say Rinzio, Ronzio, Rosnio, Rosadnio, uh, Iacovelli. To me, it reminds me of Machiavelli or seeing the future, whatever that is, right? And I think you can tell from everything that Steve's talking about, this is the future of how to run a business. And it shouldn't be this hard. It's just about accepting people, making people feel welcome, making sure that they belong in your business, that they feel like they belong, that you're inclusive and you're building an environment where people can be their authentic selves, where people can contribute and where people can bring a diversity of thought and perspective to make your business better. So please check out Dr. Steve's book. Uh, it sounds incredible. I have not read it yet, but I will uh, I'll commit that to this group. And thank you for just being here while I learn more about this. Like we talked about, I think our companies can have some grace for us if we're constantly learning and we're applying those learnings. And so be sure that of the tips, the dozens of tips that you heard in this podcast, if there's one, if you can change, uh, add pronouns to your Slack, if you can uh, you know, say, phrase something different on a job application, if you can swap out a photo in your uh, office hallway or on your website, those little changes add up. And that's what I hope that you're able to take away from this is some practical changes that you can implement. Hey, thanks for listening to Organized Chaos. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave a review or share it with anyone in your network that you think could benefit from this information. For episode show notes, podcast recaps, and tons of other small business news and inspiration, check out the manual. That's trainual.com backslash manual.